0: Bible Camp has been uh, a tremendous opportunity for us to serve our community, to serve the next generation, and uh, we love to get a chance to do that. It's always a fun experience to be part of. Uh, I also just want to recognize, too, I know that there's a lot of you who are in this room uh, who faithfully served at Bible Camp this past week. I know over 100 volunteers were connected to that. And I just personally want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your time and energy that you gave. I know Bible Camp is exciting. It's exhilarating. And it's exhausting all at the same time. And you guys work full-time jobs and then come out to pour yourself into these kids. And that is is—that is—that uh, is not a small thing. And so I just want to say thank you. In fact, if we could just clap for our volunteers the way of thanking them too. It's really, really awesome. So thank you. Yeah. So thanks for your service. Bible camp is a blast. I know I had a, I had a blast at Bible camp. I saw a lot of uh, Orange Justice and hype and was introduced to all kinds of different Fortnite dances. So we all learned something. And so it was a really, really good time uh, at Bible camp. But uh, hey, this week at Grace, uh, we're actually continuing together in a series that we've been in called Patterns That Change Us. And if you are just kind of tuning in or you're new to Grace, basically what we've been saying in the series is we've been saying that Jesus Jesus didn't simply come to give his life which, of course, is what those who follow Jesus believe. That's kind of the centerpiece of what we believe, that Jesus gave his life for us and rose from the dead. But what we've been saying is that Jesus didn't simply come to give his life, but Jesus also came to show us how to live. that Jesus came to exemplify and to teach us a pattern of life that if we follow his pattern of life, that it will lead to the transformation that he desires for us. In other words, that Jesus has come to kind of give us patterns that change us, a way of living, a rhythm of life, that if we follow him in those things, we can live out the life that God has designed for us. And so what we're doing in this series then is we're actually just talking as practically as we know how, how do we incorporate these patterns in our life? Now, what does it look like to be a person who patterns your life after Jesus and after the things that he taught? And so we're kind of digging into that together. So here's what we've looked at so far. So far in the series, just as a way of recap, we've looked at four patterns. here's the patterns that we've investigated. We talked about solitude and community. We talked about fasting and feasting. We've discussed secrecy and confession. And then last week, we finished up the pattern of simplicity and generosity. And each week, we actually spent a couple weeks on each of these, And what we've been doing is we've just been saying, okay, so what do we mean by that? Uh, Where do you find these in the Bible? Where do you find these in Jesus's life and in Jesus's teaching? And then practically, how do we begin to put these patterns in our own life? And how does that lead to change? How does that actually lead to real transformation? And so I would encourage you, by the way, if you missed any of the previous talks in this series, you can go back, you can uh, listen to those, watch those on our, our podcast, our app, our website. All of those, of course, are for free. And so you can check that out. But today we're gonna begin looking at a fifth pattern. And so this week and next week, we're gonna begin uh, looking at this fifth pattern together. And it is the pattern of prayer, uh, praying and acting, praying and acting. And so this week, we're gonna talk about praying, and then next week, we're gonna talk about acting. Now, my guess is uh, that when I put this up on the screen, praying and acting, uh, you might, your, your first thought is you might be thinking to yourself, okay, so how are these two things, how are prayer and action connected? Right? What is kind of the connecting point? Because as we've seen with every pattern in this series so far, there's almost a symmetrical relationship uh, between the patterns that we've looked at. And so we've noticed that there's this interrelated complementary relationship. So we talk about feasting and fasting. Uh, we talk about solitude and community. You can see they're interrelated and there's almost a symmetry to it. And so you might be asking the question, how are these two things related? What is it that connects praying and acting? And here's what we're gonna find over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna say that the thing that this is related to, the aspect of your life that praying and acting are connected to, is actually this one particular aspect of your life that we are going to call cares, okay? So it's connected to your cares. Now, I, I know that might seem like a strange word for me to put up on the screen right now, but I want to tell you that I actually deliberately chose this word. I actually thought really, really hard about this. And the reason that I believe praying and acting is connected to our cares actually is because when you look at the Bible, when you look at Scripture, you're actually going to see that there are many occasions that when the Bible talks about prayer and when the Bible talks about acting— that it oftentimes will associate it and connect it to something that the Bible oftentimes called our cares, our cares. Now, when the Bible uses the word cares, what it refers to is it refers to that which dominates our attention. Okay, that's What, what, what is a care? A care is something the Bible is going to say that really dominates your attention. It's something that you are concerned about. It is something that consumes you. It's something that you think about often. It's something that weighs on you. Here, here's a good way to think about it. a Care, cares are really the kind of the things we worry about right? It's the stuff that we find ourselves thinking about a lot. It's the stuff that keeps us up at night. It's the stuff that we, we, for some reason or another, have a vested interest in how it's going to turn out and play out in our life. That's really this whole aspect of care. And cares, cares includes a whole variety of different things. And so I'm kind of a simple thinker. So maybe here's a good way to think about it. Uh, Maybe this is helpful to you. This is helpful to me. Is I kind of think of it this way. I think that all of us, every single one of us, I brought this giant bucket of rocks, if you didn't notice. It's very... Very heavy. I think all of us in this room have an area of our life that we have, I would just call our care bucket, right? So every single one of us came in here today and we all carry with us a set of cares. We have a care bucket in our life. And like I said, there's, every one of us has this, but there's, there's different things that populate this bucket for, for different ones of us in this room. But every single one of us has this. And so what constitutes as, as a care? Well, there's a lot of different things. So for example, uh, a care would include something like future uncertainties. Uh, that would be a care. Right, so that would be something that's in our life, that's in a, our bucket of stuff we care about. And it and it and it has a certain amount of weight to us, right? And so maybe it's um, maybe it's things like financial future uncertainties. I'm not quite sure how it's gonna pan out. I'm not sure if I have enough for retirement. It's those things. They weigh on us, right? It's maybe it's occupational future uncertainties. You're not sure if you're gonna have job security or you're not entirely sure what's gonna happen next in your career. And so that bears a certain amount of weight in your life. It's something that occupies and consumes you when you think about it. Uh, It can be relational uncertainties. So maybe you're a person in this room and you're single right now and you're wondering, you know, am I going to meet somebody? How am I going to meet them? That's something that consumes you. You think about it a lot. That would be uh, a care, right? It could be real big things. It could be things like, uh, uh, uncertainty around our economy, or uh, uncertainty politically. There could be political uncertainty about the political climate in our country, and that's something that maybe maybe is a care for you, and it bears a lot of weight in your bucket. So it can it can it can refer to future uncertainties, but not simply that. For some of us, it's relational cares. That that's part of it, too. We have relational cares. And so if you have kids in this room, my guess is that you have a giant boulder in your bucket with your kid's name on it. And that's something that you're thinking about a lot, right? And you're, you're concerned about it. It consumes your attention. You're concerned about the decisions they're making. You're concerned about the fu- their future trajectory. And are they gonna get into the school? Or are they gonna, you know, what's that gonna look like? And it's something that maybe you lay in bed and you think about a lot. Is that, or maybe for you, it's relational tensions. And there's workplace relationships or family relationships and you find yourself thinking a lot about those things and it's consuming you and it's a care in your life. Uh, For some of us, maybe we'd say uh, desires would be in this bucket. All of us have um, desired outcomes. We wanna see our life go a certain way. There's certain aspirations and dreams that we have, and we wanna see it happen a certain way. And that's something that maybe weighs on us. It's something that we think about a lot, right? That would be kind of in this bucket as well. Uh, For some of us who might even say this, we might say insecurities would be in there too. And so, for example, uh, maybe the way your image, the way you look, your, your body image, those things are things that you care about a lot. And you find yourself thinking about it, or you find yourself worrying about it, uh, maybe for some for some of us, we think about the effects of aging, and that weighs on us, and uh, and that's something that we're thinking about a lot. Maybe for some of us, it's uh, insecurities about the way uh, we come across. We're we're concerned we're concerned about what people think of us, and we wanna we're thinking about that a lot and those type of things. Now, I'm just saying, I could go on and on, but I think you get it. The truth is, we all have a part of our life. We have a care bucket. And every single one of us came in with one of these things, even though we populate it differently, the person sitting next to you might have a different set of cares in, in their bucket. We all have this. And, and here's, here's what we're talking about with praying and acting, is I believe that praying and acting, that this whole pattern is connected directly to this part of your life. That's what it's connected to. It is how do you interact with And how do you deal with, and how do you navigate this particular part of your life? In other words, what is God's part? What is God's part in this? What is my part in this? And how do I navigate that? How do I understand that? Where do I take these? Who's responsible for these? who's going to satisfy these and who's ultimately going to be the one who it controls the outcome of these things in my life. And that's where praying and acting comes in. So this week, we're gonna be talking about praying. We're gonna be talking about praying as it relates to this part of your life, okay? And, and here's, here's what I wanna say before we jump into this is that in prayer, prayer is such an, ex, an expansive topic that you can, you can really talk about prayer all year long and still not exhaust the topic of prayer. And so for, for our conversation today, I wanna speak specifically about how prayer, about how our prayers are connected to our cares. Now that rhymed and it's kind of corny, but that's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about how there is a direct correlation. The Bible is gonna show us this. There is a direct correlation between your prayers and your cares, between what you pray and this bucket right here. And the Bible's gonna make that connection. In fact, I wanna show you that. If you got your Bible, why don't you grab it with me? We're gonna flip over to Philippians chapter four here this morning. So Philippians 4 is where we're gonna find ourselves. You can get your Bible and open that up. If you have a device and a Bible app, you can turn that on. Go ahead and get to Philippians 4. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, you can use one of the Bibles under the chairs. Page 820 is where you're gonna find Philippians chapter 4. So you can use that. And let me just say this too, that if you don't own a Bible, uh, you can just take one home with you. We'd love for you to have a uh, copy of, of the Bible you call your own. So Philippians 4 is where we're gonna go. And uh, we're gonna see in this passage of scripture a correlation, a connection, a direct connection uh, that Scripture is going to make between prayer and between this part of our life, our cares, okay? So let's take a look at this together. We're going to start off in verse 6, relatively famous passage. Here's what it says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, okay? So First observation I want you to notice is the Bible makes a connection between what we worry about, what we're anxious about and our prayers. Now the, w- the word anxious is actually a pretty interesting word. Uh, if you have a different translation with you here this morning, like if you have the new living translation, it might say, uh, don't worry about anything. That's the way that it translates it. If you have the King James version, so if you have the old King Jimmy, King Jimmy is gonna say, be careful for nothing, okay? Now, why does it say be careful for nothing, don't worry, be anxious? Well, all translations are trying to translate from the original Greek word. And the original Greek word for anxious, what it literally means is this, is it literally means to be overcome and to be troubled with cares. That's what it literally means. Basically, here's the picture. It is to have an overflowing bucket of cares and concerns. It is to be troubled. It is to be overwhelmed. It is to have an excessive amount of cares. And so here's what the Bible says. It says, don't, don't be full of cares and troubled with cares about anything about anything be anxious about nothing but then it says but in every situation everything pray and everything prayer don't be anxious don't worry don't be careful about anything but in everything pray now my guess is uh if you read that you might have some initial pushback and what you might be saying is you might be saying well wait a minute now so is the bible saying but if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I'm a person that believes in God, that basically I shouldn't care about anything, that I should live a carefree life, that I should never worry or be concerned about anything, that basically the Bible's telling me that I should just be inactive and that I should take no responsibility, that I just should be, I just don't care. The Bible says I shouldn't care, so I don't care. So, so for example, you know, I, the Bible says I shouldn't care about anything, so I'm just not going to go to work tomorrow. Because the Bible says I shouldn't care. And so I'm just not gonna care. I'm gonna trust God. He's gonna provide for me. He's gonna take care of me. So I don't have to worry about that because the Bible says I shouldn't. Is that what the Bible is saying? Is the Bible saying, man, you know, I shouldn't care about anything. So that means I shouldn't think about my future. I shouldn't save money. I shouldn't, you know, tuck away something for retirement. I should just live in faith because man, I'm just trusting God is gonna take, is that what the Bible is saying? It's basically saying be irresponsible with your future? Is the Bible basically saying, hey, you know, don't, don't care about anything? So you got those kids, you don't have to worry about them. Just go ahead and play golf. They'll take care of themselves. Let them fend for themselves because God's got it under control, right? Is that what the Bible is saying? And of course, of course, the answer is no. And there's some people who have actually used this verse. Uh, and they've taken it out of context, and they've used it as a license for inactivity and irresponsibility. So let me just be real clear. The Bible, the Bible says in other places that there are things that God would look and say, no, it is your responsibility. You should care about that. That is. So the Bible's going to say, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, that's your responsibility. The Bible's going to say, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse off than an unbeliever. And so God's going to say, no, you're supposed to care about that. That is your responsibility. That's something that I have for you. And so, so that's, that's kind of, that, and that's, by the way, is what we're going to be talking a little about next week. When we talk about acting, we're really going to be talking about how when Jesus commands us to pray for things, he actually expects that we take action on some of the things that we pray about. We're going to look at it next week, okay? But, but here's what he's saying. So when you're like, well, when he says, don't be anxious about anything, then what does he mean? Well, I actually think one commentator put it really well. There's a commentator by the name of Mark Strauss. He wrote a phenomenal commentary on Philippians, and here's how he explains it. I think this is helpful. He says, the type of anxiety that Paul commands his readers to lay aside is unreasonable worry. It's worry, and this is so important, it's worry that distracts and results from a forgetfulness, a forgetfulness towards God. And so what Mark Strauss says is God's not saying be irresponsible he's not saying be inactive he's not saying any of that kind of stuff what he's saying is the kind of the kind of anxiety that Paul is prohibiting against is basically unreasonable worry unreasonable that stems from a forgetfulness of God In other words what he's saying is listen the reason that sometimes we find ourselves so overburdened and so weighed down by cares is because it stems from a functional and oftentimes unintentional atheism. That even though for many of us, we say we believe in God, we believe in his presence and we believe in his power, we don't live like that. We don't live like that. And so, so we take on ourselves these cares in an unreasonable way, right? And I think by the way, this is exactly what Philippians has in mind. Because I want you to notice, I just want you to notice what Paul says in verse five, the verse right before this, look how he ends verse five. Here's what he says, the Lord is near, the Lord is near. And then he goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see what he says? God's here, God is is accessible, he's right here. The radical accessibility of God. Therefore, what, don't be anxious. Don't be, don't be full of cares about anything, but instead access God because he's right by your side. Don't forget about his power and his presence. Don't forget about, his, about, about the, the, the power that he has in your life and the accessibility that he has. I think in other words, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying that, listen, a lot of the stuff that you and I put in this bucket, a lot of the stuff that maybe you came in here this morning that's in your bucket, a lot of the stuff you and I put in here, listen, it doesn't belong to us. A lot of the things that, we, that really weigh down on us that we're concerned with, we were actually never intended to carry those things. And it stems from this kind of this functional atheism and forgetfulness that God is actually present and God is actually near. And the truth is that if we try to carry weight that we're not designed to carry, if we try to carry weight that God himself is the only one who's intended to carry, it is going to have an effect on you. All right, so let's just use this example. Let's just say that I'm gonna lift this bucket right here. Okay, this thing's really, really heavy because it's full of rocks. Now, let me just tell you something. I am not built and designed to carry this amount of weight for a prolonged period of time. I know it might look otherwise, <laughs> but I, I'm not, right? This, is, this thing's really heavy. And in, let me just tell you, if I, was to, if I was to hold this thing, like I'm holding it right now, if I was to do that for an hour, All right, let's just take that back. If I was to do that for 10 minutes, if I was to hold this for 10 minutes, let me tell you a few things that would happen. I just guarantee there's a few things that would happen. Here's the first thing. Number one, I would get very tired. I would get exhausted, I'm just telling you right now, my arms are starting to burn. This is the fourth service I've done this, all right? (laughs) And I'm just telling you, it, it hurts, okay? If I did this for 10 minutes, I would be so tired. Here's the second thing that would happen if I did this, okay? I would be irritable. If you came up and you're like, hey, Tony, are you carrying some rocks? I'd be like, oh, shut up, <laughs> right? I'd be like, this is, I, it, it hurts and I want it to go away. I would be irritable. Here's what else would happen. You know what would happen? I'd become very selfish. And not because I, I wanna be a selfish person, but because when you're in pain and when you're carrying an amount of weight like this, you can't think of anything else but trying to get rid of this. There's nothing else I can think of but how heavy this is right now, right? Uh, another thing that's going to happen is I might get accusatory. So you might come past and say, dude, why are you carrying all that? And I'd be like, well, why don't you help me, all right? Why don't you help me out? Because this is really, really heavy. And a lot of those things are going to happen, right? And I think, I think, quite honestly, what he's saying in this passage is he's saying, listen, a lot of you, you're carrying this thing around. You are overly concerned. You have all these cares, and it's weighing down on you. You know what it's doing to you? It's making you exhausted. And some of you are coming in here today, and you are utterly exhausted, And you know what it's doing? It's making you irritable. Some of you are very irritable. Ask your family, right? It's making you selfish. You can't think about, you're not available to think about anything else because you're like, I'm just thinking about this. I'm just thinking about this. I'm just thinking about this. And I think your father in heaven is looking at you and he's saying, hey, you want me to take that for you? And we're like, well, I'd love to give it to you, but I'm too busy trying to figure it out. And God's like, right, you're not designed to carry that amount of weight. So when you put it down, you guys ever get that feeling when you put something real heavy down and your, your shoulders are just like, feel like they're gonna float up to the sky? That's <laughs> happening right now, right? <laughs> and there's this amazing thing that can happen. I th- and listen, here's, here's what I think God is trying to tell us in scripture is he's saying, listen, you're not designed. There's so much, listen, I think we know this. There's so much of our cares and our worries that is just unreasonable for those of us who follow Jesus. We know we can't control the political climate of our nation. I mean, sure we can play a part in it, right? We play our part, but in the end we have no control over that. So what, what value does it add for us to put that weight on ourselves? You know that your job, you know that your occupation, you know that your kids, ultimately so much of this is outside of our control. And so we put this weight on ourselves, and I think our Father in heaven would look at us and he'd say, listen, I never designed you to carry that amount of weight. And the reason you're so exhausted and the reason you're so overburdened and the reason you're so tired so many times is because you're bearing weight that you were never intended to carry. And your heavenly Father loves you so much that he designed you in such a way that he carries that weight for you. He's he's the one who carries that for us. God is the one who who takes these things for us. And that's why he says this. He says, the Lord is near. Then he says, don't be anxious about anything. And he makes this connection. Don't be full of cares about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so in other words, I want you to notice here, he makes this direct connection again between worry and between prayer. I don't know if you ever thought about this before. I was thinking about this uh, a while ago, but did you ever think about that actually worry and prayer are not all that dissimilar? They're actually very, very similar functions. They're very similar activities. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you worry, think about this. What are you doing when you're worrying? What you're doing, what you're doing is you're taking your cares to yourself. That's what you're doing. You're carrying your cares to you. And you're looking to yourself, you're looking to yourself to rely on yourself, to control the outcome of, to you're consulting and you're petitioning over and over again yourself to try to figure out these things and to try to control the outcome of these things. That's what you're doing when you're worrying, right? So when you're laying in bed at night, and you're worrying, what are you doing? You're going through this bucket, and you're like, and there's this thing, and I gotta, I gotta figure this out, and then there's this thing. I really need to think through every possible outcome and come up with the. and what are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're actually praying. You're just praying to yourself. So prayer, prayer, biblical prayer is the same activity, it's just you're changing the address. And instead of consulting yourself, you're now petitioning and calling out to and depending on God saying, you're near, you're here, you're powerful, and you love me. And so let me let me cast my cares. You carry these, you carry these, you take these for me. And the Bible says that that's why the proper place for anxiety, the proper place for our cares is ultimately to take them to God in prayer. Now, here's the thing, all right? So I know that whenever we have a conversation like this uh, in a setting like this, so we're talking about prayer in church, not, not a big surprise, but I know that what happens sometimes when we do this is that there can be, this invisible wave that sweeps over the people who follow Jesus. When we talk about prayer of guilt, that we can just feel guilty about it. And, and for some of you, when I say, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't worry about anything, but you should pray, you're going, oh, you know what? You're so right, gosh, you're right. I'm worrying and I shouldn't, and I should be praying. And I just have such a hard time praying. And you're right, gosh, I feel so guilty. I worry all the time. I'm such a bad, bad person. I need to pray more. I just feel so guilty. And I think for some of us, we feel the same way about prayer that I do when the dentist asks me if I've been flossing, right? We're like, oh gosh, yeah, I need to do more of that. And we could just feel like this this, this level of guilt, like, gosh, you're right, I really need to get better at that. But let me just say, my whole hope today is not to make you feel guilty for worrying and it's not to make you feel guilty about your lack of prayer. That's not my desire and my hope. My hope is that you would see the beautiful resource that our heavenly father has given us in prayer. And then my biggest prayer is that you might grow to cultivate an increasingly strengthened prayer life. And so what I wanna do with the rest of the time we have is I just wanna get kind of practical and I just wanna talk about this. I wanna talk about how do you cultivate a strong prayer life? How do you do it? Practically speaking, how do you begin to cultivate a strong prayer life? And I actually wanna talk to everybody in the room, by the way. And so if you're a person who's been in church for a long time, I wanna talk to you. If you're a person who's brand new to Christianity or maybe you're a person investigating Christianity, I actually wanna talk to you as well. And I just wanna talk about how do you start and how do you grow? How do you cultivate prayer life. So I think here's a good starting place, all right, as we think practically about this. I think a good starting place is, first and foremost, I think we need to recognize that prayer is actually easier and more natural than you might first think. So if you're a person who's not a Christian or you're investigating Christianity or if you're new to to Christianity or if you're new to prayer, I think this is really important for you to recognize. Prayer is actually easier and it's more natural than you might think it is. I think because there's so much mystery and confusion around prayer, that sometimes we overcomplicate it. But the truth is, prayer is actually way easier and it's more natural than you think. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, think about this for a minute. Did you ever think about this? Prayer is actually one of the most universal and enduring realities in the human experience. We we just can't seem to get away from it. Uh, Regardless of what your faith background is, regardless of what culture you grew up in, Uh, Prayer is something that all of us just naturally wanna do. It's almost like we're hardwired to pray. Uh, You know, just for example, if you were to get on an airplane and you were to fly to any place in the world, you would not be hard pressed to find a group of people who are praying, regardless of religion, regardless of culture, you wouldn't be hard pressed. So if you went to a first world country, you would find people praying. If you went to a third world country, you found some remote tribe in some jungle somewhere who has no technological attachment to any other place in the world, you would probably find a group of people praying. Why is that? I'm just saying there's something easy and natural about it. It's almost like, it's almost like we have a Godward compass stamped inside of us and we all are inclined to recognize that there is some power outside of us that we want to appeal to, to help us for things that we don't have control over. I actually thought it was interesting. Uh, Gallup poll released these findings about prayer. So the Gallup poll organization is by no stretch of the imagination a religious organization, but they surveyed Americans on the topic of prayer. Here's what they found. Nine out of 10 people in America claim to pray regularly. Nine out of 10. 90% of Americans say they pray. Uh, Three out of four say they pray every day, every day. In America, more people will pray this week than exercise, drive a car, or go to work. And so we are a praying people. We are just designed to do it. It is stamped inside of our humanity that we naturally want to call out to somebody. And this is true of everyone. This is true if you're an atheist. If you're an atheist, what do you do? You say things like this. Thank the universe. Thank the universe. Mother nature has blessed us with this bounty or whatever, right? Or if you're angry, what do you do? You shake your fist at the skies and you curse the powers that might, curse the powers that might be. Whoever you might, like Lieutenant Dan on the ship or whatever, right? That's what we do. I curse the storm or whatever it is. When we're in moments of desperation, what do we do? We find ourselves calling out in prayer. Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. When he thought he was on fire, what did he do? You remember? Well, I'll just quote him. Here's what he did. He prayed. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft on me to get the fire off me. Ricky Bobby, right? And and what do you see? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, there's something inside of us that we naturally want to. We can't get away from it. We can't escape it. We wanna pray. We wanna pray. My guess is everyone in this room prays. You just pray. Different times of your life, different seasons of your life, regardless of what you believe, you pray. It's easier and more natural than you think. I think it's important that we start there. Here's the next thing. Okay, so cultivating a strong prayer life. I'm gonna call this level one. Okay, so I'm actually gonna show you seven levels of prayer. Here's level one. So if you're a person who is brand new to prayer and you're like, I'm not a praying person, I'm new to the whole thing, where do I start? Here's where you start. Okay, level one, I would say is pray what you've got. Pray what you've got. Where do you begin with prayer? I think we begin right here. You start by praying what you've got. You're like, what do you mean by that? Well, again, sometimes there's such mystery and confusion around prayer that it prohibits us from praying. And so for some of us, we have theological confusion about prayer. We're like, well, I don't know why I should pray. I mean, if God knows everything already, what's the purpose of prayer? And for some of us, we wonder, am I doing it right? Like, am I actually going through prayer in the right way? And because of some of those concerns and those questions, I think sometimes we don't pray. But here's your first step. I would say your first step is level one, just pray what you've got. You don't need to understand everything to just begin praying. Pray what you've got. I love what Philippians says. Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, you're like, well, what's that mean? It means every situation. You're like, but some of the the stuff that I have in my life seems pretty small and insignificant. Am I supposed to pray in that? Like, am I supposed to bother God with this thing? Yes. Every situation. You're like, yeah, but some of the stuff in my bucket's kind of messy, and it's kind of ugly. Am I supposed to pray in that? Yes. Every situation. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'm not really like the religious type of person, and, and I, don't, I don't even know the right way to pray. It's fine. Every situation, you just pray what you've got. Some of you might be saying, but you guys, you guys in this room, you're all church people, and I'm not really a church person. Like I'm not, I don't enjoy reading the Bible. I find the Bible hard to understand and complicated. And I don't even really all that much enjoy going to church. I only kind of like it when you're funny sometimes. And that's really it, right? And, and let me just say, if that's, if that's you, it's fine. Just pray what you've got. Pray what you've got. You got to start somewhere. I love the way uh, that uh, the, a, guy, a guy by the name of John Tyson put it. John Tyson is a pastor and author in New York City, and here's what he says. He says, if your heart is breaking, pray what you've got. If there's a deep disappointment in your spirit with God, just pray what you've got. If the girl you've always dreamed about said yes and you're going on the best date of your life this week, just pray what you've got. If you're confused, pray what you've got. If you're disillusioned, pray what you've got. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, just pray what you've got. I love what he's saying there because listen, God has given us a license to come to him and to just speak honestly and boldly before him. And you can pray what you've got. You can pray what you've got. And again, some of you are like, yeah, but but some of the stuff in here, man, I don't know. I got like doubts and confusions and questions. And I don't know if I, you know, I don't always feel like praying. It's fine. Just pray what you got. Just pray what you got, bring it before him. C.S. Lewis said it so well. He said it a different way. He said this, he said, lay before him what is in you, not what ought to be in you. You can come to him honestly and you can just pray what you've got. You can pray what you've got. It's fascinating. If you read some of, the, some of the strongest, godliest people in the Bible, when you read their prayer life, you realize they just pray with the God. Moses, David, Jesus, Paul. And you read this. You ever read Moses' prayers? Here, here's like, for example, here's Moses' prayer life. Some of his prayers are some of the loftiest prayers you've ever read. He said, this is Moses. Moses says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. That's Moses. And then in the very next chapter, he's saying, God, these people that I'm leading are driving me nuts. Kill them. (laughs) And you know what God says? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. (laughs) They can be really annoying sometimes. Let's pray what you got, right? Have you ever read the book of Psalms? Psalms, mainly David's prayers is the book of Psalms. One of the most bipolar books you ever read in your life. One chapter, David is like, God, you're my rock. You're my fortress. You are an ever-present help to me. I love you. Next chapter, where are you, God? Where are you? Why are you so far from me? Next chapter, kill my enemies, God. And you're like, wow. And what is that? Well, I I think it's more than just showing us the things that David prayed. I think it's teaching us how to pray. You pray what you got. You pray what you got. You start here. Some of it's going to be broken. Some of it's going to be beautiful. Just so pray what you got. Pray what you got. So I think that's where you start. That's where you start. Okay. Here's the next thing. Level two. As you begin praying what you got, I think you want to begin moving into pursuing a conversational prayer life. Move into a place where you're pursuing a conversational prayer life. And what I mean by that is this: is one of the most incredible realities in the entire universe is the radical accessibility of God. He is near. And you can talk to him anywhere, anytime, any place. You don't need to be in the church. You don't need to be in a specific spot to pray. You can talk to God anywhere. You have access to him. You know, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. And there's been some conversation about what exactly does that mean to pray without ceasing? But I think what that means is quite honestly, it just means opening a conversation with God that you never really close. You're just constantly in conversation. And so I just say, cultivate this. Cultivate a conversational prayer life. Try just praying, you know, as you're driving, whatever it is you're doing, just talk to God about whatever's going on. So if you're driving, you're like, man, God, thank you for that sunset. That's awesome. God, I don't feel like praying right now. It's actually a very viable prayer. God, I feel kind of cranky. God, I don't know why you made jellyfish. They're weird. It's whatever, right? God, thank you for Chipotle. It is a rich bounty of manna that you have given to us. Like, whatever. You could just 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 talk to him in a car. You know what's interesting? If you look at Jesus's prayer life, if you actually read in the gospels about Jesus's interaction with prayer, it is staggering the amount that he depended on the father in prayer. Did you know over 60 times in the gospels, I'll just show you a few examples, I'm not gonna read through all of them, but you know that over 60 times in the gospels, the Bible says Jesus is praying, he's praying. And in some situations, it looks like it's relatively, you know, mundane. And in other situations, it's just utterly magnificent. But in all things, you see Jesus, he's just praying. He's just praying to his father. He's in a constant dialogue and a constant conversation with his father in heaven. Jesus exemplified this pattern. And I think he desires for us to do the same thing. You could just talk to God all the time. Let it be part of your regular life. So I would say level one, pray what you've got. Level two, pursue a conversational prayer life. Here's level three. Begin to pray with and for others. So as you begin to grow in your prayer life, I think the next step in growing in prayer is to start to pray with other people, with them and for them. This is why uh, biblical community is so essential, getting connected to things like life group or having Christian friendships or being in disciple-making relationships. It's so significant because it's gonna help you grow. And one of the areas that's gonna help you grow in is prayer. Prayer is never intended to just be a private activity. there is an element that is to be private, But it also, there's a corporate aspect to this as well. And so finding a place where you can pray with others, for others, to pray out loud with others. I know for some of you, the thought of praying out loud with other people is utterly terrifying to you. And you just, in your mind, you're like, I could never see myself doing that. That is so far outside of who I am as a person and all, and maybe you guys can, I could never do that. But can I just tell you, I love seeing when people get connected to life group or get connected in relationships, disciple making relationships, I love to see people who thought that they would never be a person of prayer becoming people of prayer. I've seen it happen time and time again. And I've seen it happen in my own life. And so get connected to other people. I think that's a great step in cultivating your prayer life. Here's the next thing, level four. I'd say start to learn Jesus's pattern of prayer. So start by praying what you got, never stop praying what you got. But I think eventually you're gonna wanna grow in your prayer life to now you start to pursue Jesus's pattern for prayer. And here's what I mean by that. So it's kind of interesting. The Bible's actually gonna tell us that prayer is something that all of us naturally want to do, we're inclined to pray, but that you can actually learn to pray, that you can actually grow in learning how to pray. Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And you know what Jesus said? Yes, I can. I can teach you how to pray. And he gave for us uh, what is called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Maybe many of you kind of grew up with that before. What's interesting about the Lord's Prayer is it was actually never intended to be a memorized, mindless mantra that we just recite without thinking about it. It was never intended to be that. It was always intended to be a pattern that we follow in prayer. In fact, if you're interested in diving into that, I just want to point you, we did a whole series called Teach Us to Pray a few years ago here at Grace. You can access that for free on our website. We go line by line through the Lord's Prayer and we just talk real practically what does it look like to emulate the pattern of prayer that we see in Jesus. Just to give you that whole series in a nutshell, we say the basic pattern, and of course you guys know this, is uh, Father, Father. So prayer begins recognizing that it is a relationship with our Father, that God loves us and God is authoritative and God cares for us and Father speaks to all of those things. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us. And what you'll notice if you look at this is Jesus is giving us a pattern. He's saying, pray this way. Pray, Father, you, 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 and then us, us, us. You, 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 us, and then kind of go through those things as well. You can look into... Teach us to pray. But I think this is a great way to grow in prayer is to look to Jesus to help you learn how to pray. Here's what I call level five start praying through scripture. I think that as we're cultivating a prayer life, there should be a time when you start to pray through scripture. Here's why I think this is so important as you're maturing and as you're growing in your prayer life. The reason I think this is important is because, uh, as it is with any relationship, like if you think about a relationship with another person, Um, Who is it that that determines the topic of conversation? Well, the person who determines the topic of conversation is the person who speaks first. That's just true in every relationship. So if we were out in the cafe and you came up and you said, hey, Tony, what about the weather? It's pretty hot out there. That's what we'd be talking about. That's the topic. We're talking about the way you set that because you spoke first. Now I could change the topic if I wanted to, but it'd be kind of difficult. So we'd be talking about that. And here's all I'm saying is, when we come to God and we pray what we've got, we're basically saying, God, this is what I want to talk about. Here's what I want to talk about. I'm going to bring my cares to you. And let me just tell you, your heavenly father loves to hear about it. And he wants you to do that. He wants to take that. But I think as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, that eventually it shouldn't just be, hey, God, this is what I want to talk about. Here you go. Thanks. See you later. That eventually it should also be, God, here's my God. I'm going to play this. And then what about you? What is your heart? I want to hear from you. What do you care about? And to talk to, I let him pick the topic. How does that happen? You get into the Word of God. I think as you grow in maturity, that is a staple of maturity. Now, I'll just give you an example. My daughter, I have a daughter who's three uh, at home, and uh, she's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And when we talk, when she and I talk, guess what we talk about most of the time? Whatever she wants, she picks the topic. And so she'll, you know, I, even if I'm trying to tell her something, she doesn't listen to me. She just talks about what she wants to talk about. And so she'll just talk to me. And I love it. Like, I love it. She wants to talk to me about her favorite movie, which, you know, what her favorite, I love this. You know what her favorite movie is? This is a girl after my own heart. Her favorite movie is not Princesses and Unicorns. It's Nacho Libre. And so she, she wants to talk about Nacho Libre. And I'm like, that's fine. We could talk about Nacho she wants to talk about doll, her dollhouse or her friends at church. That's what she wants to talk about. And you know what? I love it. I love to hear her talk about those things. But can I just say that when she's 23, my hope is that maybe she might ask me some questions too. My hope is that she, she'll, she'll be saying things like, dad, what do you care about? What's in your heart? What are things that, that, that bother you, that you love? And I'm just saying, I think as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we should also be kind of reciprocating those things in the word. So praying through scripture. Here's number six. Develop a prayer plan. I think as we grow to cultivate a strong prayer life, there comes a place where we need to cultivate a prayer plan. And what I mean by this is there is something to be said for carving out intentional time, undistracted time, to talk to God in prayer. You know, Jesus did this. Jesus did this. Jesus talked to God conversationally, but he also dedicated undistracted time that was focused on prayer. The Bible says that Jesus often withdrew to solitary places to pray. And so I think we kind of follow that same pattern, that we should put in our lives certain patterns and rhythms we have designated for prayer, put it in the calendar. So practically speaking, how could you do that? Well, here's a couple ways. Maybe you could incorporate prayer as part of your times of solitude. So a few weeks ago, we talked about solitude. Maybe you bake prayer into that. That becomes a piece of that. Here's another thing. Maybe you can start to incorporate times of fasting in prayer. We talked about fasting a few weeks ago. You could listen to that and get some practical ideas. Here's a great idea. Maybe you could start keeping a prayer notebook or a prayer journal. I know a lot of people that do this. They will spend time and they will document their prayers. They'll write them out and document them. I could just tell you this is something uh, journaling prayers. It's actually something I've been doing for a while. Uh, I don't do it every day. But I I will write out my prayers uh, on different occasions. And I'll tell you what's so cool. What's so cool about it is I can go back. And I actually have prayers that I can go back to that I think the earliest ones I have are dated back in 1998. And it's crazy when I read those just to see, man, that's where I was. And look at the faithfulness of God and look at how he answered these prayers along the way. I think that might be a powerful way to do that. So develop a prayer plan. And then here's level seven. I would say level seven is this. Eventually, we wanna get to a place where we're praying missionally, where we're praying missionally. And what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. I I think that what our father desires is he desires that we get to a place where we take our cares to him and we lay them before him and we say, God, here's my cares. But then we look at him and we say, now, God, I want you to fill this up with your cares. What do you care about? What breaks your heart? What do, you, what do you want me to be about? These are the things I'm all about. I wanna give these to you and I want you, I want you, to, ask, I want you to tell me, what do you want me to be all about? I wanna, I wanna join, I know you care about my neighbor. I know you care about my coworker. I know you care about this person in my life. God, would you put that in here? And I wanna pray about that. And this, this I think it shows up in a lot of different ways. It, becomes, it means becoming a prayer partner, maybe with different ministries. Uh, here at Grace, we have 30 and 30 prayer partnership. If you go out into the cafe, there's ways that we pray missionally, that we pray. It's not just God here's my cares. Let's pray about the things God cares about too. There's great websites out there like a Voice of the Martyrs website. That website actually documents people who are being persecuted and even martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. And man, there is prayer prompts there. Pray for those things. Pray missionally for the things that matter to God. So my hope is that when you look at this, it gives you a vision of what it might look like to cultivate a prayer life. And my hope is that maybe it gives you some of your next steps. What's your next step? For some of you, it's level one. That's great. Start there. For some of you, maybe it's growing in other ways. That's great. But I would encourage us, man, to take advantage of this incredible pattern that God has given us. The band's gonna make their way up here. And, uh, and as they do, I just wanna conclude with this final thought, and it's this. This is a pattern. This is a pattern that will change you. It will change you. In fact, uh, in Philippians, God attaches a promise to this particular pattern. Here's what he says. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God attaches this promise. He says, if you bring your cares to me, I will trade you. I will trade you. I will take the weight that doesn't belong to you and I will replace it with peace. I'll replace it with peace. And what I think is so powerful about this is that God doesn't say, if you bring this to me, that means I'm gonna answer every single one of those things the way you want me to. That's not what it says. He doesn't say, if you bring this to me, I will empty it out and you will have nothing left in your bucket. That's not what he says. He says, if you bring it to me, then I'm gonna give you my peace, my peace. And what is the peace that comes from God? Well, I'm convinced that the peace that comes from God is the peace of his presence, it's the peace of recognizing that your father is with you and he loves you and he's powerful and he's in control. I put it this way. I think in prayer, we come to Jesus, not simply with our needs, but we come to Jesus because he is the one we need most. And when we come to him, we find that he is all we need in the midst of all of our needs. So I think it's only fitting as we close out our service here today that we end with a word of prayer. So let's pray together. With Jesus, I just wanna say thank you so much for your care for us. You love us a lot. And uh, God, you don't wanna see us weighed down. You don't wanna see us carrying weight that we were never intended to carry. Father, one of the most beautiful realities, one of the most incredible uh, truths is that we're not in control. What good news that we're not in control and what better news that you are because you're good. I think of what First Peter says, cast all of your cares onto God because he cares for you. God, you care for us. And so pray specifically for the person who's coming in with a real heavy bucket. And yeah. Lord, I know we're all coming in with different things that we're concerned about, we're worried about, things in our jobs and things in our families and things in our life. But God, I pray that you'd help us even right now as we worship and sing, help us to transfer those burdens onto you. Help us to transfer the illusion of control that many times we cling to, to you. Recognizing that you're present, that you're here, that you're near, and that we can trust you with those things. So Father, thank you for the amazing gift that you've given us in prayer. And I pray that as we approach you in prayer, that it would lead to the transformation you desire in our lives. I just wanna pray these things in Christ's name.